0: You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day. We study God's Word and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. And while you're there... Download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible on there. There's all of our teachings. There's an online forum and community that you can be a part of. It's a great resource to have in your pocket. And if you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave a five-star review. All of that helps out big time. Uh, If you can, leave a nice message, right? I think Apple Music allows that. Uh, well, I know Apple Music allows that because we've gotten some good ones lately. Um, some of the other platforms might as well, but that is extremely helpful because people read that, right? And we've said it before. They decide whether or not it is a going to be a good use of their time to get started. And what we typically see is that once somebody starts listening to this program, they continue. And we are continuing today through Matthew We are in uh, chapter 26, and we are at the tail end of the gospel. Moving forward, we just got out of the Garden of Gethsemane, and just to recap there, if you remember, Gethsemane means olive press, which is pretty powerful when you think about it because this is the place where Jesus went to after the Last Supper, and he went there to pray. He really went there to prepare himself and strengthen himself, and we can really see that if Jesus needed to do this, what about you and I, (laughs) right? So often we want to go ahead and go on our own strength, and it's almost like we're playing out there injured every day. But what if we just took some time to get with the Father like Jesus did? And what Jesus also did was he got vulnerable before the Father, we see him in anguish as he's thinking about the horrors that he would face going forward. And he gets down on his face, and, and in Scripture it tells us that he actually sweated blood during this time. And it was, must have been just so, so intense, but what were the disciples doing? They're sleeping during this time. And Jesus gets up and goes and finds them sleeping, and he says, Can't you just wait for me? Can't you just wait an hour? He says, get up and pray, goes back again. But we see every time Jesus goes back to the Father, he, be, he gets strengthened. And we also see him going through the same motion, saying, Father, if, 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 if I must do this, I will. Let your will be done. Jesus shows that the fleshly part of him, of course, didn't want to go to the cross, yet he did. And how he wins this battle is with those words, let your will be done. What if we said that to God more often? So how do we end it off? Jesus goes back for a third time and the disciples are sleeping. And he says, all right, get up, let's go. My betrayer is here. And we find that before he even stopped talking, here they come. And that's where we start. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 47. It says, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. So the chief priests, the elders, the leadership They decide to, of course, with the help of Judas, go after Jesus, and they treat him like a violent criminal. Jesus never hurt anyone. He flipped a few tables, all right? He made a few whips and chased people out of the temple courts. We know that. But they're treating him as if he's some sort of a revolutionary, some sort of a rebel, and they come to him with swords and clubs as if that could have stopped Jesus if he wanted to do something about it. We'll get to that here in a second, but let's continue. I want you to imagine that all these men show up. And it says, now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him, going at once to Jesus. Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Now, you want to talk about adding insult to injury here. In Jewish culture, it was very common to greet someone with a kiss. It was an expression of respect. It was an expression of friendship. It was an expression of affection. It was something you would always do when you came up to a rabbi or a teacher in this way. And that's exactly what Judas does. Judas even calls him. Rabbi, and then kisses Jesus on the cheek so that everyone knows that this is the man to arrest. So how does Jesus respond? Judas, how dare you? I can't believe that you did this. No. Judas, you wait. You wait. You're going to get yours. No. Jesus replied, verse 50, do what you came for, friend Do what you came for, friend. just want to point out that Jesus calls him friend. Could you imagine that? There was a genuine love that Jesus had for Judas. Genuine compassion. And I'm certain also genuine sorrow that this man that he poured into for the better part of three years, whom he trusted, the finances too, was doing exactly what he did, betraying him. What's also really powerful about this interaction, this statement, do what you came for, friend. Jesus, even though he is surrounded, even though he is physically outnumbered, he is still giving permission says do what you came to do even now jesus is permitting to let judas and them arrest him and we should always remember that that this was something that the savior did willfully this is something that the savior allowed to happen and that is the true mark of giving from the heart of God is to do it willfully, right? Even in our own giving, we're called to do it cheerfully and not out of compulsion. Jesus allowed all this. In one of the greatest exhibitions of love. Now, not everybody around here understood this. See what happens next. Things get really heated now. It says Then the men stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now we get a better understanding of exactly what happened here in some of the other Gospels. In John, we know that this follower is Peter. For whatever reason, Matthew doesn't mention Peter's name. Not so sure why. We'll never know. But Peter takes out his sword and strikes one of the servants of the high priest on the ear. And we also know from the other Gospels that the man whose ear was struck, his name was Malchus. Interesting, Malchus means king, yet this man was a servant. And church tradition holds that Malchus went on and has this amazing conversion and and goes and, you know, does uh, all these amazing things. If you read the apocryphal books, it talks about this. Now, I will say that I believe with every fiber of my being that Jesus can do that, right? We see Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, write the, in, almost the, well, write the majority of the New Testament, We can give countless stories. You can think about your own life and where Jesus has brought you from. So is that absolutely possible? Absolutely. And I love the story. I love the theory. It's not something I ever teach as fact because we just don't know. There's not historical record around this. And I've been accused of being a wet blanket in Christianity because of that. But, you know, people like to give complete sermons on these things, and it's just not not scripture. It's just not canon you know i'm sola scriptura if it's in the bible i will teach it that way but i i i would like to believe that malchus changed his entire life but i digress let's shift it back here we know that we know from the overall look at all the gospels that peter strikes the ear of malchus and what does jesus do jesus reaches out and he heals the ear of this man and again, all the things that we can't necessarily substantiate from the story and we, we could s- speculate on, here's what we know, is that our God is a God of compassion, that Jesus chose mercy over judgment, that Peter gets corrected in this way because Peter's actions were not the most excellent way jesus in verse 52 says put your sword back in its place jesus said to him for all who draw the sword will die by the sword another statement that we hear a lot and people have asked me hey jason so do you feel like this means that you can't defend yourself i said no that's not the case at all you know if somebody were to try to come in my house and hurt my family. Uh, you know i i wouldn't i i would draw the sword so to speak but that doesn't mean that that's the most excellent way right we live in a world of cause and effect where one non ideal circumstance sparks another non ideal circumstance but we have the power sometimes to go ahead and break that cycle to do the things that we don't necessarily that we to do the things that we that maybe go against our flesh to maybe not do the things that are within our power jesus says if you want to live by the sword you're going to die by the sword if you want to play the game of cause and effect in the here you're gonna you're it's gonna come back to you but there's a more excellent way and jesus shows it here he says put your sword away Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And check this out. Verse 53, he says, do you not, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? A legion. Let's look at this through the lens of a Roman army. A legion was 5,000 soldiers. 12 legions is 60,000 soldiers. Jesus, in that context, is saying, don't you think that in one second I could call 60,000 angels down here? And well, how powerful is 60,000 angels? Well, in 2 Kings, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians, so I think 60,000 would take care of a couple guys with clubs and swords. Yet Jesus did not do Any of that. He had the right to do it. He had the power to do it. And I position to you today that the greatest expression of power is to be able to do something, yet show restraint in doing it. It's why martial artists are really so disciplined and so powerful. They know what they can do, and that's why they back off from fights a lot of times. Imagine this, the all-powerful God is being challenged by a group of people with swords and clubs and he allows for it to happen. A true mark of faithfulness and self-control and truly an example that having the upper hand all the time is not the most excellent way. Personal sacrifice for the greater good is the most excellent way. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, don't you think that I could have 60,000 angels down here kicking some butt? But he doesn't. Why? The reason why is right here in verse 54. It says, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? There was a greater good. There was a bigger mission at hand. Yes, he could crush them, but what what cost? At what cost would it be for Jesus to have a moment of self-preservation? A moment of self-preservation would have doomed the whole world to eternal death. But a moment of self-sacrifice saved the world. Could you imagine if we took the same approach in our households, when we're dealing with the people that we love, our spouses, when we're even dealing with the people in our workplaces, the people that you know we could crush, we do this with people that we love so often, right? You know what you could say to get them going, you could, but you don't, because of the greater good. I <laughs> I say this to young couples often, not just. I, to couples often, when, when I marry them, they say, you know, hey, can you give us some advice? You're married now 16 years, which is a greater testament to how awesome my wife is, put up with me for 16 years. I say sometimes you got to ask the question, do I want to be right or do I want to be married? And I I say that to a lot of people. I know my other one is it's not 50-50, it's 100-100, right? That's what makes it work. I could crush you, but I won't. That was Jesus's posture. I know how to hurt you. I know how to end all of this, but I won't. Because temporary self-preservation, having the upper hand, even in the face of being wronged, is not always the most excellent way. Mercy, sacrifice, forgiveness, this is the most excellent way. To love you in spite of. And I think back to Second Corinthians 13. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13. Where Paul lays out what love actually is. Verse 4, it starts, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It doesn't act becomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. See, true love is an action in spite of. I could lose my patience with you right now, but I won't. I could hold this over your head right now, but I won't. I could rejoice when you, who I've been telling this whole time to cut it out, finally gets in trouble, but I won't. I don't rejoice in that because I love you. It always endures and pushes through, and that's what we see. Through the love of the savior here that his love for humanity is pushing through the embarrassment the humiliation the you know coming physical torture that jesus would go through the betrayal why for the greater good could you imagine if we were just a little more like this if we would endure just a little bit further and maybe lay ourselves down at a little more personal sacrifice for the greater good. We'd be a more united, more loving world. Amen? I just want to take a moment today and just be grateful for what Jesus did for us. That he could have called down thousands of angels to stop it all, but he didn't. He knew he had a greater mission at hand. And how many of us are here still breathing today still with a plan and a purpose for our life today even though we've done things where hey we would have cut ourselves off god never will he'll never leave you nor forsake you and that's something to be grateful for today let's pray father god in the mighty name of jesus we want to be more like you help us to show restraint for the greater good in our life to be able to love like you and to choose a more excellent way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church, Deer Park, New York. Check us out, SOH.Church. This is the 1% Christian. Get together. 100 starts with one. Now go out and do something amazing for Christ's sake. I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow as we continue Matthew chapter 26.